0: welcome back to soul back this is episode 115 we're talking about 2002 r&b today you can see in the back this is the week i have been waiting for ed (laughs) this is the week i have been looking forward to yet dreading and this is the reason why you kyle are the reason why we cannot have nice things take a look at that background we're going to be talking about the music but ed 2002 can we get into 2002 because well
1: before we get into 2002 we have to let the cat out of the bag the elephant in the room the elephant that ashanti is not riding on shout out Mm. to tom he's
0: not with us this week yeah tom had uh baby duties he had to cancel out the last minute but i don't even know if he wanted to be here for for today we have a lot to uh uncover here when it comes to 2002 rmb um and i gotta say when i was doing these collages a lot of you guys don't know behind the scenes we get into fights all the time uh, oh yes we do
1: it ain't just podcasting y'all
0: yeah because we try to figure out you know who are we gonna put on the collage who do we exclude there's a lot of this going on right but as i was putting these collages together this is the first time that i've done more than like three collages because I didn't realize there were just so many R&B albums that came out this year in 2002, and they were all great. They were incredible. Like, if you look at the roster, and we'll talk about so
1: many of them, like, of course, they're the headliners that we're going to talk about. But then there's just so many little gems throughout the years that you're just like, I forgot this great album. I forgot this great album. And there are things that really define the year. And then I look at 2020, and I recently did a post about kind of R&B in Today. I'll talk about that a little later on. And I think maybe so far, I think we've had less than 10 albums that I would consider like top-shelf R&B albums. And I know it's the pandemic, and I know times are different. But compare it to 2002, Mm -hmm. where like you ran out, you did like five collages, and we still, I'm sure, left out some things. Because it was such an incredible year.
0: Kind of crazy. If you flip that two and that zero, or that zero and two around, and you get to 2020, it's a whole different ballgame. But in 2002, Ed... We had some good music. <laughs> we had some good music because we were so spoiled compared to what we got today. But
1: enough about today. Let's talk about back then. What did you have going on in your life, young Kyle? I'm sure your bedroom looked like was right behind us. But what was Kyle doing in 2002?
0: Well, before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout out to all of our Instagram listeners and also YouTube listeners. We're live on YouTube now. I probably should have tweeted the link out. Um, Ed, can you do that? Can I send you the link and can you tweet it out while I'm talking? Do that. All right. Because uh, 2002 for me was a wonderful year. Um, man, and, and we'll get into it with all of these projects that are coming out. But honestly, like, I've always been a R&B fan from like when I was five years old. I think I've told the story a million times about my mom listening to the Mariahs and the Tony Braxton's, but... I would say around two thousand and one, two thousand and two, I was probably around twelve years old, then that's when I really started to d- develop and come to a sense of what I really, really liked, as opposed to what was being fed to me on radio. It was, okay, mm-hmm. I like that type of music. I like this. I don't like this, and I think that's what two thousand and two was for me from you know, Ashanti, obviously, who no, we'll talk obviously. about later uh but brandy as well there's a lot of projects that you know to this day i still think about and i'm just like man what a time
1: man it's an incredible time to me 2002 is one like one of the most important years of my life i've talked before about just very quickly how in 2001 i moved to louisville kentucky from my former state of virginia and in 2002 i was still pretty new i didn't have too many friends i had made some friends at my church in 2001 but i had a really crazy work schedule So I didn't really have a lot of friends. I just kind of sat in my house and played Kingdom Hearts Mm. like a lonely old man. But in 2002, I met a new group of friends, and one of those friends happened to be the woman who would be my future wife. So 2002, the summer of 2002 has a whole lot of fun memories, and a lot of the music we're talking about today were soundtracks to some of the memories that have stuck with me
0: forever and ever. So this is a very big, 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 big year for your boy. And I already see the comments. Oh, I just hit my phone. That's not good. Uh, hold up, guys. There you go. See, it's not a poster. It's an actual background, guys. But uh, I see huh. a couple of people Wish already post, demanding us, <laughs> demanding us to talk about the Full Moon album. Ed, Brandy, Pay to some me, players, we'll get there. I mean, we have to get into it now. I mean, we're gonna get go through a lot of these albums, but you can't really talk about 2002 without talking about Full Moon. Doesn't matter what you think about it, whether you love it, you think it's the most amazing thing of all time, whether you think it's slightly overrated, 2002, and we look back at it now, Full Moon is that album uh, to me, and I think I've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts, it's not my favorite Brandy album, I think, Ed, you can agree on that, but when I listen to that album, and I actually just listened to it last week, it's one of those albums that... Again, I can't listen to from top to bottom just because I feel like there's too much going on. But there's a lot of gems on there, and Brandy sounds great on the album, which is you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind when I listen to that. But Ed, take me back to 2002. Were the people loving Full Moon like they do today? Oh, yes, they
1: were. But one thing that I have realized about 2002's Full Moon is that whereas in 2002, we liked the album, we thought it was great, and I think it is one of her better albums. Vocally, it might be her best performance. The legacy of this album... Is that especially for younger fans, and this is something that my generation doesn't quite get, but I understand it now more just kind of conversing with younger fans online. To a lot of fans, this was like their first Brandy album, and this is the one where they fell in love with her, and it's the one that really defined who Brandy is. So I think that's why that album is so beloved. My generation likes it, thinks it's a good album. I definitely think it's one of her best albums. But the best, not really. My favorite, not really. But its legacy is being kind of like the, the hallmark of Brandy and toward bringing in a new generation of fans. It does that. To me, of all of Brandy's albums, you can compare it to Emancipation of Mimi. It's the mm-hmm. album, not necessarily a comeback album, but one that really solidified her in the, in the um, new generation of fans. It'd be like, okay, this Brandy is dope.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the legacy of it today, Ed, let's talk about the legacy today. You see it on social media. When did people st- start calling this the vocal bible? What's your earliest recollection of that? Because obviously, would... I don't think 2002 people were calling it that, but no, there's, a, they were not. there's a whole generation of R&B fans, and they just love that album. And again, I was listening to it last week, a lot of great songs on there, but when do you remember people starting to call that the vocal bible album? I remember it. Honestly, I did not start hearing that until closer to this. Well, the
1: previous decade, till the 2010s, maybe Mm -hmm. late 2009, but more of this current generation of social media. That is when and I talked to some of my friends who grew up with the first Brandy album and the second album. And those if you're from that generation, that's probably your favorite Brandy. And for us, that's kind of like our Brandy. But for this generation. This is their brandy. We're talking Full Moon 2002. It's the one that has inspired a lot of younger fans and a few artists as well that are young. So that's why I think it's become the vocal bible really in just the past decade.
0: Nobody was calling that in 2002. Sorry to tell y'all. But I will say Full Moon, the actual song Full Moon, that's like the most amazing brandy song, period. Maybe one of her best songs ever. I agree. Like yeah. That has to be, if it ain't top three... Is one or two, and then when you touch me, another great one. That that is, you know what? I'll I'll give it more credit than I have over the last few weeks. I actually do enjoy that album, but I'm still on Team Aphrodisiac, so we're just gonna leave it at that, Ed. <laughs> I will give you that. I do not agree at all, but I do think it's her second
1: best album. It is the one that has, I mean, when you think about Legacy, it's really stood the test of time. Who in here is talking about two eleven as her best album? I'm tripping, Shaquille. Hmm. Who said that? But (laughs) otherwise, no, I think that if you argue between full moon, never say never, it's a strong argument. Kyla sneak in aphrodisiac. You might even want to sneak in the debut if you're an old school fan like me. But to me, those are the ones that encapsulates Brandy.
0: 100%. Ed, I want to talk about a couple more. Let's stick with the females here. We love the females. And I want to save some time because we have like a million debut artists to go through here. But... I'm gonna give you some veteran artists. What stood out to you here? We have Whitney Houston. Yes. We have the TLC album. We had the Tony Braxton More Than a Woman album. We had Mariah, who we talked about last week. To me, Ed, oh, and we have Deborah Cox as well. Can't forget about your girl, Deborah. Okay, to me to me, none of those albums, maybe except the Deborah one, because I really did enjoy that one, but none of those albums connected to me in the way that they should have. I don't know how you felt.
1: I kind of agree. Like, if you go back and look at the best albums of those artists' careers that you just mentioned, none of those would be high on the list. And not that they're bad, because you didn't say an album that was terrible. Although TLC, eh, that was getting close. But most (laughs) of them are just middle of the road, just okay. And even the TLC one, I think, is better than than it gets credit for. He's got some good Neptune songs and some other folks doing their thing. But those albums aren't considered their strongest, but they aren't weak at all, and for fans, they're albums that fans kind of go back to and dig deep for the album cuts, and that's where they kind of get some love from. The Tony album, not my favorite, but I definitely play songs from it.
0: Yep. Definitely
1: play some album cuts from TLC. You know how I feel about my girl, Deborah. I listen to all those up-and-down remixes. She got about 74 of them up there. Mm. So stuff like that is that I can go back and revisit, but it's total projects, not really representative of their best, best
0: work uh tony braxton says that this album is her worst in her discography would you agree with that
1: mm, i might have to i know i ranked her discography not long ago mm-hmm. I, if it wasn't the last one it was near the bottom but again it's not terrible it's probably her weakest hit the freeway is on that one
0: yeah you know what i love the heat which we'll talk about in two two weeks from now this one i thought it was just okay yeah, so. this uh, the heat was better than this for sure. I agree. Um, let's talk about some males here then. Uh, Darnell Jones or Darnell. Darnell! Jones. He was with us last week. He he was tuning in. I'm not sure if he's here this week. He released an album. Casey and JoJo, uh, Rough Ends, Tank, our boy Tank, Drew Hill with all five or six members. I don't remember how <laughs> many there were. Yes, uh, looking like a whole Mortal Kombat character select screen. Mm, yes, uh, Jaheem, Avant. Boys to Men, Music Soul Child. Ed, can I ask you a question about the Music Soul Child album? Just Hit listen. me with a music one. So I was doing the collage earlier this week. And for some reason, that album cover has like three different colors. It has it in like purple, it has it in blue, and it has it in red. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking Why about. Why is that? Because that's what you did back in the
1: day. You switched the game up. I can't remember on my wall which one I have. I think I have the purple one. But I think that might be the most common one y'all mm. can let me know in the comments because i know that one is the one i see the most but when i did my post i think ranking his albums i did red i don't know that's just what you did back the day variants to kind of show different sides of it but that's a great album and to me one of his best not his absolute best some people mm-hmm. say it is but it's like probably number two for me
0: yeah i would say it's close i think his debut is marginally better yep. um I'd be curious to see what Tom thinks. I think he thinks both are classics. But I would say this is pretty close. I know a lot of people love this album. Don't Change is on this album. That's a great record. Um, and then that Drew Hill album, Ed. It's the Mortal Kombat selection. Can you yes. give me... Can, can we... Uh, right now, can you give me every member of Drew Hill that's ever coming to Drew Hill? Right oh now. Oh my live? gosh. If I do this, I'm sure somebody's going to call
1: me out. So here we're, here we're going to go. We're going to try. Cisco, Nokia... Jazz and Woody. Then we've got Scola. He was on this one. Yep. Then we've got, ah, uh, what was my man name with the hair? Towel. Tail, yep. Then we've got him. Towel, tail, whatever. I made him yep. sound like a towel. Like, <laughs> I guess how, that's how your grandma would like, say, go get that towel. So then, of course, we got my boy Smoking in Black. Yep. Is that it? That's
0: it. And okay, Kevin Pat. I did it. And who? Kevin Peck, longtime manager. Oh, okay, yeah. Shout out to Kevin. He might be on this (laughs) podcast for all we know. Who knows? Um, But with this Drew Hill album, because I've seen people say this, and I want to hear from what you think. Hypothetically, if Drew World Order comes out in 2000, I guess in 2000, after the second album, Mm -hmm. do you think it would have done better?
1: I think it would have done better as far as just kind of push because they were just so red hot. But I still, and I don't think the album's terrible. We recently talked about this in the cipher, so on Serial Cipher on Facebook. Go hit us up if you like this podcast. If you like checking us out, this is what we do all day, every day on Facebook. Just chat about this stuff. So we were discussing that album earlier this week. I don't hate this album. A lot of people hate it, but quality-wise, when you have how the highs of that first album, which I think is a five-star album, and the second album, which I think is like a four and a half star, super close to five star. And then you got this one. It's mm-hmm. a pretty clear dip. It's not terrible, but it's a noticeable dip. So if mm-hmm. it dropped in 2000, yeah, it would have got a bigger push, but it certainly wouldn't be below by any means.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got to go back to these albums here from Jaheem, Avant and Don- Donnell. All very, very solid albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one I forgot. And you're lucky I didn't put it as my virtual background. Tyrese's I Want to Go There. Where he's like, I'm I'm
1: very glad that your head wouldn't be covering up his crotch on that album. Thank you, player, for sparing us that. But But, that's another great album from your boy. One of his better albums.
0: But don't you have like a personal vendetta against how you're going to act like that? Can you speak on this?
1: Player, yes. Now, y'all going to show some love for me for this one. If you were around, I know you were like 11 and 12. You don't remember this. My old heads, if you were around for Midnight Love, shout out to the Midnight Love watchers up in the chat. You know what I mean. How did you die? Okay, there you go. Good. <laughs> Shout out to my Midnight Love watchers. You know they played that song every night on Midnight Love. I got so sick of seeing him in that vest standing in front of that driveway and running around that empty house. I was like, if I see Tyrese one more time, how are mm. you going to act like this show this video every single day? I got so sick of seeing that video. The song was not bad. But
0: they played it out. Yes, Derek, they played it out. <laughs> uh, me Lou says Vivian Green does not get the respect she deserves. So we're gonna talk about Vivian. Green Oh, we Green about later. to shout out my girl now. Don't we're worry. We're gonna talk about her later because uh, she said some interesting things on uh on our podcast a couple yes. of months ago and and just in the comments. But we'll get into that in a bit. Um, Boys to Men dropped their last album with all four members. Full circle. Did you like that album? Because. I remember, because that was, like, one of the first years that I started watching BET. And just mm-hmm. the promo that went into that one, like, just the advertisements and the infinite commercials and the hype behind it. And Colors of Love being, like, that huge comeback single. Like, did you enjoy that album as much as it was hyped? Yeah, it was
1: all right. Like, I didn't love it. It was... I, they have some underrated albums. I think Evolution's underrated. I think um the Nathan Sean, the one that's got all their names. Yeah. I think that one's super underrated, and I think the one twenty that came out not too long ago—that one's very underrated. Yeah. This one I thought was fine because like it's, it's not. I, I would put it in that category of albums with Deborah and Tony that we mentioned a little bit earlier, and Mariah albums from veterans that were solid, but certainly don't stand up to their best.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think everyone here, honestly, we've we've gone through some albums, but I'm. Pr- pretty sure everyone is here to talk about the rookies because i don't think there's any other year where the rookie albums are like better than anything else that came out i agree i mean look at when you look at what we've got this year like the rookies were running it and it's it's actually ridiculous when you look at it so i'm gonna name them i want to see the comments and and let us know who we need to talk about here yeah Uh, y'all let us know so we've got tweet we've got nivea We've got Mario. We've got Justin Timberlake. I think that's a, that's a that, that's kind of risky that we mentioned him. I don't want to see my comments right now, but Ed, listen,
1: I'll, <laughs> I'll take the heat for JT because we're gonna show our boys some love today. Forget y'all. Anyway, keep going.
0: Uh, we've got the Canadian Stevie Wonder, Glenn Lewis. No oh god. I'm, I'm gonna go with that. Uh, we've got B2K. We've got Amory. We've got Vivian Green. We've got Truth Hurts. We've got Flowetry. We've got RL. We've got Kelly Rowland. We've got Raphael Sadiq, dropped a solo album. Mm-hmm. Dawn from In Vogue dropped a solo album. Flow-A-Tree, Christina Milian, your girl's Isis, or Isis, as Jada Kiss would like to call it. <laughs> Icy, yes. Uh, Remy Shand, who has a huge following on the internet, and I didn't know this. Yeah, shout
1: out my man Remy. I love him.
0: And, and Robin Thick, who in 2002 looked like Jesus Christ himself. Yes, yes. My
1: my wife, if she could not have married me, she would have married Robin Thicke 2002,
0: for sure. Wow. Wow. So instead of the album being called Paula, it would have been your wife's name.
1: Yes, it would have been. She would have <laughs> been the one naked on the front of the cover of the, of the debut. Yes,
0: she would have. She would wow. have loved that. All right. So I just named all these awesome uh, debut albums here. And we're going to have to talk about every single one of them. But before we do that, I see. <laughs> God. I see my guy go- oh and I forgot Ashanti I don't know how I did that I'm sorry I about thought that. that was intentional I thought you were saving her for the big finale no I uh I uh I got sidetracked because I actually needed to give a quick shout out to our guy Lawrence I'm sure he wants us to mention 3LW who dropped their second album Ed can I name a 3LW song and I know you'll know this is fire do you remember that 3LW song with Lil Wayne never get enough I remember it that song is good it's alright. I liked a lot
1: of so- like It's not a bad song. I do like it. But it wasn't one of the songs I love because there was a point where I loved me some 3LW. I love those little girls. I'm a grown man and will admit this. That song got a little played out by 106 in part but it was a good song for sure.
0: Nope. And then I think the Loon record was on that album too. I do. I didn't like the Loon record. Right. No, that, that I did not like. That beat is just annoying.
1: <laughs> that one was
0: not my jam. Never good enough was cool. Okay, so... I just named all these debut artists. Ooh, Who? Cleo, where we going to start? Um, can we start with, um, I believe she won a Grammy. Uh, the highest debut for a female act of like all time. She's in the Guinness Book of World Records. I think she won like some Soul Train Award and pissed everyone off. Do you remember this?
1: I think I remember this, Cleo. Uh, I'm going to let you have your day,
0: so keep going. Uh, she had some great collaborations with Ja Rule, The uh, the... the CEO of uh, the Fire Festival. Very successful festival. (laughs) Uh, Which should tell you everything you need to know about that crew. Fat Joe. uh, She was singing on the Jennifer Lopez records. Oh, don't start that again. I know, we shouldn't start that. Um, She had a huge hit with Foolish. One of the biggest of the decade. Uh, You might know her very well, Ed. Some might say that she's right behind me. But uh, can we talk about Mrs. (sighs) Shanti? Happy birthday, by the way, Queen. 40 years, old can,
1: now. 40
0: years old looking
1: like 20. I'm 40. I do not look like Ashanti. If I did, I'd be in trouble with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember, I ta- I've talked a lot about when we've done these rankings and we've gone about these kind of like these looks at the year. I've talked about my post. So you can check this out on soulandstereo.com. The kings and queens of the years 2000 through 2009. For 2002, y'all know I have given Ashanti a hard time Mostly to mess with Kyle, but mm. because her career has like been so inconsistent. But in two thousand two, even my hard heart must admit that the queen of R and B was undoubtedly Miss Ashanti Douglas Thank who you. was behind Kyle. If you weren't around, if you were if you just popped up in R and B like two thousand eight and we were saying this, she'd be like, You lost your mind. I cannot convey how big Ashanti was in two thousand two. She was by far the biggest i don't want to say she was the beyonce that is that's ridiculous because no one was that big but for if you want to compare someone who was on another level of representing r&b from being on everybody's feature for every song being played in the ground everything remixed this was your girl she did it and her debut album which i do think you overrate a bit you and kyle mm. and tom I will still say that it is one of her best of her career. It is inconsistent in a mug like the rest of her career. But it is very listenable, full of hits. 2002 is the year of Ashanti. I can't even hate on it.
0: And, Ed, someone just said Ashanti was bigger than Beyonce in 2002. This is facts. Yeah, but she you, since was. Since 1978. You've been smart since 1978. I will give you that. <laughs> but, what? Ed, Okay. live here on the podcast... Can we admit that Ashanti's debut album is a classic? Can we just do that right now? No, we cannot do that. This <sighs> album was no
1: classic. Absolutely oh, not. It Come was a, it was an okay album, and it was very impactful for 2002. But that impact didn't go past that 12 months, and the quality is as shaky as those California earthquakes. Nope. But you can love it all day long if you want to.
0: But a classic, absolutely not. Absolutely not. All right. Uh, Well, then, uh, if we're going to talk classics, I guess we have to talk Amory's album, her debut album. Okay, let's talk. I think we made it mention two episodes ago where we said, if you love Tedra Moses' debut and Amory's debut, you're a true R&B fan. So Mm -hmm. we've talked about Teedra's two episodes again. Can we talk about Amory's? Because this is one of those albums, and Rich Harrison... If you're out there, we need to interview you. I don't even know if he's on social media, but this album from top to bottom, you can just let it ride out, and you can just play it all the way through. I have taught and listen. I have I have been proactive. I have pulled
1: this off the wall. You can see wow. it right here. This album. You know what I paid for this thing? When and we've talked about this before. When albums dropped on the day of, you had to get it the day of, and you got it for a discount. So you would get like a album that was usually $16.99 for 9.99 on release day this album was like five dollars on release day i don't know why best buy was giving them away gave away a five star album in 2002 mm. and the day i purchased this i've told this story before kyle you mentioned an album you can ride to i had to pick up my wife she was in indiana well she wasn't my wife then but she was like my co-worker but i had to pick her up in indiana she was doing something in indiana and i got lost so i'm driving around indiana Listening to this album on repeat, 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 and loving every minute of it.
0: By far, one of my favorite albums ever. Five-star album. Great album. Uh, Another one that I think is very, very underrated is, I mean, she's underrated in general, but Tweet, Mm -hmm. Southern Hummingbird album. I've gone on record many times to say that I was scammed when I got this album because I thought every song was going to be a Timbaland track. It was not that. It was acoustics, it was harmonies, it was so musical, but as you start listening to it for what it is as opposed to thinking it's the next Aaliyah album, I ended up loving this album.
1: And that's it, and I have these two right here because I have a story about these two. This is Ashanti and Tweet. So in 2002, these two dropped on the same day. Mm -hmm. And usually at the time I would be like, okay, what am I going to get today? And Ashanti, as we talked about, was the biggest thing ever. And then Tweet As to Kyle's point, it sounds weird now, but there was a mentality that Tweet's album was going to be like the next Aaliyah, because we heard Oops, we knew Tim Lamb was going to be producing, so we thought this was going to sound like an an Aaliyah album. So I'm going back and forth. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? Forget it. I'm breaking the bank and buying both of them. Wow. And that's what we did in the days before streaming. So I bought both the albums. Ashanti ended up being a mild, I wouldn't say a disappointment, but it was not as good as I thought it was going to be. But Tweet was nothing like I expected, but blew me away because it felt more like Neo Soul than kind of the Timberland production. It was so different, so soulful, but so incredible. Another one of the better albums of the year. And I did that list of like the 30 best R&B albums of, of the 2000s. I think like five or six albums from 2002 are on that list. And that just shows how incredible this year was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is another one I'm going to mention here, Ed, that I feel like people still love to this day. And uh, it's Justin Timberlake's Justified album. We've we've had conversations about whether he's an R&B artist or a pop artist. I feel like on this album and and what he was trying to do with this one, this is an R&B album from top to bottom. Uh, The Neptunes did amazing things on there. Timbaland did amazing things on there. The Underdogs. This, to me, it's my favorite Justin Timberlake album. I would probably say his second one is his best, but this is definitely my favorite.
1: I agree. I think his second one, and I know we will get some hate for this, I think his second one is five stars. I think his second one is his best. But his second one is more of a pop album, and it definitely leaned toward kind of the EDM wave that we had a little bit at the beginning of the 2010s. But this album, yes, definitely it's an R&B album. And I think it's a little unfair. The same thing we see with Bruno and we see with some other artists like Amy Winehouse, where we see a non-black artist come in and it's kind of like, okay, what you're doing ain't R&B. We'll let you in the house, but you ain't really R&B. Hmm. Sure it is. So what that album is it's definitely an R&B album. He has a pop background, but it's an R&B album through and through. It's an incredible album, and again, one of the better ones. I'd say top five for 2000s for sure for sure that was back there too somewhere
0: i'll say this because mantras jones is in here the record that justin has with janet take me now do you remember that song ed oh i learned, yes take me now yes i, I hate that song
1: <laughs>
0: i like that song i it never like that little,
1: song it gets a little monotonous but yeah that's what it is and i'm sure and i'm i haven't looked at the comments yet i'm sure that somebody's gonna bring up the janet in the jt thing i won't get into that i feel like that a lot of times, a lot of people don't look at that objectively. And again, I won't go into detail. We'll be here for another half hour of me explaining that. But just like when we talked about You Know Who and I lost my voice just mentioning his name. Mm. We won't go into the drama. We're just talking about the historical impact of these albums. So yeah. if you don't like them, cool, cancel them. But we're just going to talk about how the albums that really had a big impact on this year. And you can't historically ignore that.
0: And just do me a favor for anyone that's about to cancel them. Please go listen to Let's Take a Ride first and then cancel them. So that song is a (laughs) a 10-star song right there. That's a great song. You need to enjoy that one first. Uh, Ed, I'm going to talk about a couple more debut albums here. We have a lot, uh, but these are some fan favorites that I've seen on, on social media. A lot of people wanted us to mention these ones. Mario's debut album, Just a Friend, Braid My Hair. I feel like this, Ed... And I don't know how, how you feel about this album or if you've heard this album in a while. But this is a very underrated album. Alicia Keys helped out with the writing on this one. From top to bottom, Like, I don't know if it's as good as Chris Brown's debut album. But it's closer than people think.
1: This album, I will say, I slept on. Um, my wife, well, I keep saying my wife. She wasn't my wife back then. But she got, and we weren't even boyfriend and girlfriend then. But she had the album. And she loved Braid My Hair, she loved Just a Friend, she loved all the songs. So I borrowed the album, and I didn't expect much from it because those songs felt really gimmicky to me. It was just like, oh, I'm just going to sample Biz Marquee and here's a song about me getting my hair done on the porch. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> they were all right, but there was nothing that I thought that... I didn't really see Superstar in Mario. I just saw that here's a guy who was doing this thing. Just honestly, I didn't see it until the second album. But when I listened to the album, I was like, huh. It's a lot better than I expected Mm and showed a lot of the promise that we would see fulfilled in the next release.
0: Yep. So shout outs to Mario on that one. Another underrated one here is Nivea, her debut album. Don't Mess With My Man is on that one. Uh, The Laundromat song with The Man We're Not Allowed to Mention is on that one. And there's a Neptunes record on there, a record that T.J. Moses wrote early on. This one's actually really good too here, Ed agreed now this is another one just in
1: that style that my future wife had that i listened to might have been around the same time i listened to it again i thought don't mess with my man was cute and laundromat was okay like i I wasn't really excited about any of those tracks but when i listened to the albums they weren't bad at all and i thought that they were good starting points and showed me that they had a lot more potential than i originally gave them credit for
0: yeah and then uh, B2K, I want to mention them because they dropped two albums in one year. So that B2K hype was at an all-time high. Like When you look back at it now, I, it was probably the right idea to put both albums out in the same year. Because I don't know longevity-wise how long that could have lasted. But to me, when you look back at it now, it was, it was, it was smart that they did that. that they,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, again, when you look back at Nostalgia and Tal, we're talking about your age group and we talked about this before people remember b2k being as big as the jackson five because 106 in part pushed them to the moon they were on everything they had the tours later on they were just incredible hysteria around everything they did but a lot of those young groups like that we saw it with mindless behavior and some of these other ones like they are super hot and and then the fame just dies out immediately so it was very smart of them to kind of capitalize while they could. And again, that's another album. I didn't catch that album until a few years later. Yeah. That album was way better than I thought it was gonna be. That was yeah. back there too.
0: Yeah, B2K, Why I Love You. That's such a great song.
1: That one is great and um uh what was the other song? Uh, you know it, the one that was that Silk wrote. Silk wrote a song for B Two K? Yes, they did. I'm blanking on Somebody in the comments is going to mention it. I'm blanking on the song.
0: That song is incredible. Uh, this is this is breaking news to me. I'll have to search it up in a bit. But yes. before we do that, uh, let's mention a couple more here. I guess these would be Gots considered. to be. Yes. Gots to be. Thank you, Derek. No, that was not Silk. That was Troop. That was Troop that wrote that? Okay. Yeah, that was Steve Russell. Uh, All right. Let's talk about Neo Soul here. I'm going to name a couple of, I guess, Neo Soul albums here. Glenn Lewis, Vivian Green, and Floetry. Mm-hmm. All three now, of those are, like, Vivian Green's I really liked. Trees. I thought was cool. Glenn Lewis, I know Tom really loves that album. I didn't love it as much, but especially with that Vivian Green one, because we've interviewed her before, she does not like that album.
1: Yes, and if you missed that interview, you can check back in our podcast. That was one of our more interesting podcasts, because Vivian Green's a sweetheart. Shout out to her. I don't know if she's lurking around, but I love me some Vivian. Um, She told us, like, she did not want to make this album. And she did not consider this Neo Soul. She did not want to do Neo Soul. She wanted to do more like the music that she's come to make in more recent years. That's kind of what she wanted to do. She didn't want to be put in that box. But that album, I thought, was incredible. And to me, it's still her best body of work. I love that album. Thought it was great. And even better, even better. I thought Floyd Tree's album was even better than that. That, to me, is probably the most underrated album that we'll probably discuss today. Incredible album that people love the singles, but as mm-hmm. a like just an album itself, it's weird that it just didn't get the love. I'm telling you, if that album came out in 2020, Twitter would be losing its mind because it's so solid.
0: Yeah, I mean, Twitter would be losing its mind, but it would still sell like 200 copies.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you can talk to your boy Trey Songz about that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was heartbreaking. Twitter was going yeah, it nuts. It wasn't a good day. And it debuted outside of the top 20. But we're back in 2002 when things were better. Uh, a couple more albums here, Ed. I'm just going to mention them. Give me what you have for these. Um, we have Dawn's debut, Raphael Sadiq's, de- Sadiq's debut. Raphael Sadiq's debut is, is pretty amazing here. But mm-hmm. um, Kelly Rowland, I didn't like this one. I don't know how you felt about that one.
1: I didn't like, what was this? I didn't stole. know.
0: like Well, the stole Nelly song. Stole was cool.
1: Then, well, what's Stole? Well, I love Stole. Stole yeah. was great. Yeah. The Nelly song, I have fun memories of because it's one of those songs that remind me of me and like my future wife when we mm. were just hanging out and like going to barbecues and stuff. So it was like one of those summer songs that just kind of like reminds me of our early days. So it's nostalgia. As a song, I hate it. They played it to death. <laughs> I got so tired of that song. Stole I liked I liked a couple things off this album, but she had much better albums later on.
0: Yeah, I remember because when she came out with this album, I don't think they wanted to push, push her in an urban route because I think that was the lane that Beyonce was going into. So she came mm-hmm. out as more of a I'm trying to think what, what the right what would be the right word like go almost like a rock alternative. Like yeah, that was and what that's she what was Jonathan as.
1: just shouted that out. Jonathan yeah.
0: said it was definitely more rock, and I have to agree. Yeah, and I think that kind of threw some people off uh rl dropped his debut album um isis robin thick christina Milian, ed i know you love isis and yes i, know I love
1: isis not <laughs> even joking i love isis i thought that they were the next i thought they were gonna take the role that destiny's child would leave i thought that they were next up for real sounds crazy but i did i loved isis
0: uh christina Million, we talked two episodes ago about how uh, we would have risked our lives for christina milion
1: oh i would have risked it i was still a single man in 2002 i would have risked it all but yeah. i will say i was not a big fan of this album it Was It a little too pop
0: for me yeah a little too much and for you eh oh no i'm all <laughs> down with that one player uh and then robin thick and remy shand robin thick we love but ed did you know that there was this much love for remy shand out here
1: let me tell you about my man, Remy, because that is my dog. If you don't follow Remy Shan on Twitter, get your life and follow. It is the most entertaining follow I have found in the past year. He is, he will dig up some old gems. Sometimes he'll just be like slandering random people. Like he just, it's just nothing but a good time when you follow him. So I take a message as one of those songs. Again, The BT love, played it into the ground. I went from liking it to being so tired of it. But I think Remy doesn't get enough love. But going back to my man Robin Thicke, this is the Jesus era Thick, the lost <laughs> album, because no one remembers it. People think that the Evolution album was his debut because that was kind of his breakout. But this was his first album, and I remember when it debuted, the song, When I Get You Alone debuted on mm. 106 in Park. And I remember, I'll never forget AJ, with his long dreads dragging the floor. Was like, look, y'all, this song's gonna sound weird, but give it a chance. Give it, and it was. I was like, why are you? Are you working for Robin Thicke? Why are you <laughs> trying trying so hard to sell this song? And it didn't sound like anything else, and it didn't really blow up, but it found an audience, and my wife was one of them. And I listened to that album, and I was blown away. I need to rank his discography, and that would be very high on the list for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And he was riding that bike all over the town. He was riding and he was just (laughs) delivering. Now, what was he riding the bike for? Was he
1: delivering pizzas or selling newspapers? I don't know. It's possible. He was all over the town with that bike. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Big Dog, uh, we'll mention Eric Bellinger this time around. shout out to Eric. Uh, Avant did drop an album in 2002. We mentioned that earlier. Next dropped an album. And Mm -hmm. Lettucey dropped an album. But, Ed, I think it's time we hand out some awards here. Can you let us know what the time is? Yeah, we're 40 minutes in. So, we got 20 minutes to get through this. Alright, let's do this here. Like you guys already uh, have seen from the last couple of episodes, we hand out awards. And uh, we're going to start off with this one here, Ed. The Rookie of the Year, 2002. Who had the best debut in 2002? You just went to this because you know I'm forced to
1: just keep it real. Even though you call me a hater, you can't say I never bring the truth. Mm -hmm. And I am always an unbiased musical journalist. The Rookie without question is ashanti without question she dominated the year she was the one who was the flag bearer and if you would have just were dropped in 2002 you would have thought that she would have dominated for the next decade ain't quite happened like that but she had a great run and it started
0: here ed ashanti wrote such great lyrics like he's the lighter to my cigarette and i was oh like, my god i'm yeah. ready get on my knees. you know what I-
1: <laughs> you know drove me crazy about that album like every song was one word i was like what do did she write these when she was in third grade like foolish rescue movies like everything was baby call like what put some oof
0: behind it ed that's what we call efficiency so we're gonna <sighs> leave it at that anyways please the of, leave it the rookie of the year has to be ashanti All bias aside, maybe a little bit of bias, the hits, the numbers, the look, we got to give it to Ashanti.
1: Focus. I mean, now, if I want to say my favorite rookie, I would have to go for A. Marie, especially if we go with quality. But if we were talking about, again, if I was in 2002, not looking back with bias of kind of like looking backwards, but if I was in 2002, who was the person who was the most well-known, who had the most success, who had solid songs, and who was both, most set up for success going down the road, had to be her. I would prefer A. Marie all day. I would prefer Tweet, but had to be Ashanti.
0: And so we got the debut albums out of the way, Ed. This might not be the last time you hear of Ashanti this episode, but... We'll I see. would not be surprised. We'll see where this goes. Uh, the next one we have here is... What's an album that you feel is underrated that people need to talk about more or just need to go back and listen to?
1: Well, we named a bunch. But I think that the one that stands out the most that we've discussed has to be Floetry. That debut I thought was incredible. And it's one that just didn't, not, it didn't get a lot of love outside of kind of neo-soul circles then. And I don't think it gets enough love today. We, you see a bunch of love for Full Moon and the Sashanti album. And even Tweet Name Marie and a few others music that we've mentioned. But I think that one's kind of is the one that deserves a lot more credit
0: for not just Marsha, but for the flow assist as well. My underrated album, I'm going to go with Tyrese. I feel like that was a sleeper. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, there was a point in time where I was afraid to listen to that song on my iPod because I didn't want to have that album cover showing and then a girl would walk by and be like, what's going on <laughs> over there? This is This is true. But... I actually really enjoy that album. To me, it's probably Tyrese's best album. I know some people might argue the debut, but I'm going to go with that one. I feel like that is his best and probably the most underrated.
1: Yeah, album. I would say it's his most underrated. I would put the probably the debut and maybe even Black Rose. I think mm. i put those above that. Right. But it's really high on the list. Can't yeah. hate. And I got to shout out my my girl Vivian Green, another album that's so underrated that she don't even like it. But guess what, Vivian? I'm going to give you props anyway because the album (laughs) is great.
0: All right. Um, Ed, we're going to get into this one here now. Uh, What was the most anticipated album for you in 2002? What was the one where you were like, man, I can't wait to go to the store, pay my $9.99, and buy this CD when it comes out? I already told y'all. It was between Tweet and Ashanti. And again, it sounds ridiculous
1: for me to say that, knowing me. No, no. I just remember one. I think I have a new one. And we didn't even mention this album. Someone in the, in the captions correct me. I want to say that Keith's album came out in 2002, Rebirth. And if that's the case, that was my number one. Now, I will say that it was also my most disappointing because that is my least favorite Keith Sweat album of all time.
0: Mm, yep, in 2002. That,
1: yep. Yep, that was the one that I was, because it had been a while since we had a Keith Sweat record. It was like since 2000. So it was a, a kind of a. He usually dropped every other year, so I was kind of fiending for some Keith. To me, I think that was my most anticipated. And then I'll put our girls behind that.
0: Mm. Um, I would say my most anticipated was, you know, the person behind me, Ashanti. Of course. But the other person that I was really um, anticipating was Justin Timberlake, because he had the MTV special. You got to see, like, I remember when Like I Love You debuted at the VMA Awards. And, you know, I had been following NSYNC prior to that. So I'm like, okay, this sounds fresh. And I had already know- known about the Neptunes at the time. So mm-hmm. I was really excited about that one. But I guess it has to be Ashanti. It, it, it's a no-brainer.
1: For you, it has to be. Mm-hmm. I would say with JT, though, I was kind of skeptical. I was not a big NSYNC fan. My future wife was. She was very excited about this. I was not excited when I heard he was working with um, Tim lane and... Um, and the neptunes i was kind of like oh whatever here he's here's somebody capitalizing on the new sound but i heard like i love you and i was like man this kind of goes in so i was i did go check out the album i remember it was i was in louisville it was snowing it was garbage it was like pitch black outside i thought i was gonna die copying this album but it was so worth
0: it hmm uh someone wants us to give a put some respect on their boy kenny are they talking about Babyface? Did he drop an album in two thousand and two? Um Is that There She grown- Goes? Was that two thousand and I thought that was two thousand and one. I thought it was I didn't think that was O two. I might have to check that. Uh, yeah, let's take a look here. Cause I no, that was, was 02. 2001. that was two thousand and one. That was two thousand and one. Okay, yeah. If, if Kenny is who he's referring to, maybe it's Kenny Lattimore. Maybe? Nah. And look, there's a bunch of Kennys out there. I don't know if it's Kenny G. Like, we Kenny, we podcast y'all on. Hmm. Um, let's talk about our favorite three albums of this year, 2002. Okay. Your top three albums of 2002. Um, we've done this every year or every week so far. So let's start off here. What is number three for you? Number three for me is my girl, Tweet. Again, it was one that took me
1: kind of by surprise. I didn't expect to love it as much as I did, but it's one that has stuck with me almost 20 years. Oh, my gosh, we're old. But it has stuck. The same CD has rolled with me through I don't know how long. I love to revisit it. Songs like Heaven and Drunk were not the songs we expected to hear. We expect to hear a bunch of uh, sh- uh, Aaliyah-sounding songs, mm. not these very sorrowful but well-written tracks. But they're the ones that kind of stick with you. And... One of my favorites of all time really came out with Tweet. That's my number three.
0: Awesome. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to mention the Aaliyah uh, album, I Care For You, but I felt like that was a greatest hits album, so I didn't include it.
1: Yeah, and I did like, because it did have a few tracks that were unreleased, so that was cool. And I I do listen to that album probably more than any of her others, since it's sort of a greatest hits. That one's back there, too. I love it, but yeah, great, great album,
0: though. But I don't know if I would qualify for what we're talking about yeah uh my number three here and i'm gonna say this because i don't want to get jumped by their fans by her fans
1: oh i look i've been fighting them all year so go ahead
0: um well i don't think b7 is my favorite album i don't think full moon is my favorite album but i will give full moon a little more credit than i do b7 so i'll give full moon <laughs> yeah don't number, say the number three spot um like I said, I gave Brandy the number one spot for Aphrodisiac, so you know I'm not a Norwood hater. Someone called me that on YouTube. I don't know why, but Full Moon for oh, me no. is, is number three. Uh, I, really I, I love things. this album. I don't think it's as groundbreaking as people make it out to be. Uh, the, the latest thing I've heard is uh, when, when, when I don't like a Brandy song is uh, they, they say that um, I'm not musically advanced enough to listen to it. So I'm like, musically advanced something like that. To to but it. I'll give Brandy number three, because I love Brandy.
1: Player, chill out. Like, I don't know why these stands are so insecure. Like, it's okay to say I like one album and I prefer another, or that album you like is just okay. That's It's called an opinion. It's cool to have an informed opinion is what I do, is I give you my opinion and put some facts behind it. That's kind of like what this journalism thing is. Players calm down. So, yes if you like it cool you love it i think it's a good album but not my favorite brandy album
0: Mm. um so joshua huff did for kenny he meant kenny Lattimore. he he feels like we need to give him some more love we love kenny Lattimore. no i love kenny i give him a
1: lot of love maybe more so on the cypher than here on the podcast we don't have a chance to talk about him a lot but no I love Kenny. I think he is one of the greatest voices of our yeah. generation. You know what it is about Mark Kenny? Mark that down, player. I said it.
0: You know what it is about Kenny Lattimore, though? It's like he, like we forget about him, and I think, admittedly, we, we both do because we just take his talent for granted, so we can do better with that. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, he's one of those guys that's just so
1: effortless with it, so it's not like he has a bunch of bad projects yeah. that I can diss or a bunch of incredible <laughs> ones that I can go crazy about. He is just so consistently strong that he kind of does get forget forgotten but no one of the greatest voices ever not going ever sleep all night
0: Mm -hmm. all right back back on track here i don't know how much time we have left we got 10 minutes left all right uh your number two favorite album of 2002
1: my number two is the one that i almost died getting and i talked about just a second ago justin timberlake's justified Mm. i did not expect too much from this album i thought that it was just going to be uh uh, a few good songs from my favorite producers and a bunch of sync junk that I don't really care about. I was not a big sync guy. I didn't even like Gone when they were playing at the Death on 106 in part. But this one won me over as a big JT fan. And, you know, drama aside and appropriation aside, if you want to see me talk about that, go to soulandstereo.com. But Justin Timlake in the search bar, I have written about him many times. So I don't have to get into it here with our nine minutes left. But as far as my favorites, it's number two for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, my number two would probably have to be... and I'm going to throw you in for a curveball. My number two is Ashanti.
1: What? Did, did I hear that right? You said number two is Ashanti? I
0: have a number one here, but my number two will be Ashanti. I love this album. I really have no complaints about it, but... Man, there's just one album that, uh... If I don't mention it... I think people would yell at me if I don't put it at number one. So Ashanti is my number two. I'm sorry. Happy birthday, Ashanti. You're in my background, so you know I love you. But it pains me to say I'm going to go Ashanti number two.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are witnessing growth. And speaking of shouting out, I just have been informed the man himself, Jermaine Dupri, is in the comments. Shout out JD. He he joined us on a podcast a few months ago. Mm -hmm. One of the absolute pioneers. Thank you for doing what you did to keep R&B alive.
0: So, at number one, what was your favorite R&B album of 2002?
1: Well, I've only been ranting about it for like 50 minutes now. But my number one album, for sure, is the one I paid $5 for at Best Buy on release day, one summer day in 2002, My Girl A-Marie. Incredible album. All I have from front to back. One of the few albums, you know, y'all talk about a lot on Twitter the skips what album can you listen to without skipping or what's your skip i don't think there's one even my favorite albums my favorite album as y'all know kelly price's soul of a woman that's my mm-hmm. favorite all-time album i even skip sometimes the last song on that because sometimes i get tired of the remix and sometimes i don't want to hear lord of all it's a great song inspirational sometimes it's like all right I'll catch you, i'll catch you on sunday But this album, I don't skip anything on this A. Marie album. One of the few albums I can say has zero skips for me. One of my favorites of all time.
0: That's a solid choice. And I want to see what your number one is. I'm lost. You know who it is, Ed. Because in my rankings of important people, it goes Mm -hmm. Buddha, Dalai Lama, Jesus, all these amazing people. Above that, is Ashanti. And above that are two people by the name, and they're from Virginia here, Ed.
1: I know where this is.
0: We have to go with Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams, who worked on the Justin Timberlake album. And my loyalty is with the Neptunes, so by default, Justified is the number one album of the year for me. I don't know if that's the right reason to choose it, but I cannot let Chad and Pharrell down. I mean, listen. It was my number two, so I can't hate on you for that. I'm just I'm surprised you didn't stand all
1: the way to the top. So, bravo for you for picking a better album.
0: However, if we're gonna okay. say who, what album am I gonna be listening to after this podcast? It will be the Ashanti album.
1: <laughs> well, of course, of
0: course, we have to go back to that. Great. Um. But no, Amory's album is probably like. We might have to boot, boot off uh, Full Moon here. No. Should I boot off Full Moon for Amber? That's a tough one.
1: Uh, personally,
0: I would. I don't know if you should. Nah, uh, I think she should stay. No, that that Mel, I, th- I can't even pronounce her name, but she's been, uh, she's been with us the whole time. I think she's a Brandy stand because all I've seen is Brandy comments from her. So, <laughs> for you, because you've stuck around for the whole podcast, I'm going to go with Brandy as my number three. Um so i I think that works i think that works so ed i think that's it for 2002 r&b next week we'll do 2001 a lot of great albums came out in 2001 8701 obviously is going to be much talked about we both love that album but that's for next Mm -hmm. week i think we have a special guest for next week as well so we uh we'll 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 be ready for that but what's going on with so I can't wait to argue about
1: next week. I'm coming for you, Shaquille. And, and shout out to Shaquille. He just asked, which, um, what do I skip on Keith's 1996 album? Another one of my favorites. Chocolate Girl, a little sleepy for me. So I skip that one most of the time. But anyway, we're talking about soulandstereo.com. Today, if you haven't done it yet, go to soulandstereo.com. I have ranked the entire discography, A Labor of Love, LL Cool J. I feel like the most underrated legend in hip-hop history. He is a pioneer. He has been around for decades, straight-up five-star classic albums. Y'all don't remember him from nothing but these cop shows. He is one that hits. Before there was Drake, before there was everybody, it was LL. He is a pure legend. The first artist I remember calling himself the GOAT, and we called him that, and we were like, yep, he the GOAT. LL's entire discography ranked from bottom to top. Stolenstereo.com. Secondly, Kyle, I know you saw this. This is a very heartfelt post for me. Mm. I wrote about four reasons why R&B has had this downturn in the past decade. We've talked before about how something weird happened around 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah. And R&B hasn't really recovered. And why is that? I break down exactly why. Because it talks about the economy. It talks about the staged we talked about the changing over to hip-hop we talked about the include the influence of autotune all of this goes into it so check out dot com and see why r&b started sliding down in 2010 and how we can get it together
0: and it doesn't help that all 19 of you guys viewing this right now on instagram did not purchase trey song's album i'm just saying that's and i mentioned that
1: too So I call y'all out for that. Get ready. It's some it's some tough love, but it's all love.
0: Mm-hmm. Um can I just say one thing before I plug that you know I got soul stuff?
1: Yep, we got three minutes.
0: I've uh I've received some death threats on my uh Instagram. So uh Brandy Full Moon is now number one. We're bumping everyone. Oh down. my god. It's crazy out here guys, but uh Full Moon has done it. I hope you guys are happy. Uh Full
1: Moon brings out the werewolves for real.
0: Um <laughs> uh, that's it for for me as well on You Know I Got. So we have a couple of interviews lined up here that I'm really excited about. I'm actually trying to get this uh, R&B draft thing up and running, Ed, and I, I want you to be a part of this. Um, so we'll probably get that done in the next two weeks. I'm just trying to line up all of our favorite producers to do it with me. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I think we have an interview with Trey coming out soon. I think I interview cool. him next week. So. Uh, I'll talk to you about that off the air, but I think that's it. I appreciate everyone for joining us this week to talk R&B once again, appreciate the comments. It looks like we're getting more and more people now. And, uh, one of the things that I've been discussing with Ed and Tom is maybe getting you guys in on this and having you guys talk with us on zoom as well about these albums, but, uh, we have to see you guys behave a little better. I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust you guys being live on air yet, but once we get there, we'll, we'll talk about it. But Ed, I think that's it for this week. We'll talk next week. And, uh, R&B forever, guys. All
1: right, we out.